0: is Employment Law with Howard Levitt on the Bell Talk Radio Network.
1: And it is fall in Ontario, a little crispy out there, but just beautiful. Bell Talk Radio Network, delighted to have Canada's top and most winning employment lawyer taking your calls this hour, offering the best... Employment law advice available in the country. I'm Ian Grant. Levitt LLP, the most experienced employment law practice in Canada. In studio this afternoon, Howard Levitt, Canada's authority on employment law and wrongful dismissal. Howard, good afternoon. Welcome in. Well, thank you, Ian. Great to be here. It as is always. great to have you here. Um, let's do what, we, uh, what I always forget to do, which is uh, we can, I tell you what, uh, we're going to talk about... Uh, the the upcoming week
2: that you have. Uh, apparently, you've got a really interesting case. I guess after that, we'll get to a tip of the week, which we can oh, okay. start with. But yeah. let's, start with, let's start with what I'm doing this week. Okay. I have two interesting cases this week. The first one, I act for a nursing home. Very vulnerable people. A lot of them in their 90s, hmm. late 80s. Some not, but physically right. um, disabled in one way or another. And helpless. And there was a particular personal care worker working there who in one month was nasty, vicious, or gave no care to five different people. Mm-hmm. And when I say no care, I mean, let them sit in their feces for hours, being able to, but unable because they're physically disabled, aren't able to ring the bell, aren't able to put their hand up and ring the bell to get help. In one case said, you know, just fold something over so it won't be seen. And, uh, and we'll get her changed later and then just forgets about it or decides not to do it and hours go by with this person sitting in their own bowel movement and anyway that's an example of one of the instances another case just being very nasty and rude to these people who are helpless and the person the woman who um, with the bowel movement they that was a person who was cognitively just fine and can speak so Matt you, you wonder oh. if she treats someone like that like yeah. that what she's doing with people who can't speak or can't comprehensively discuss things and report it and, or are just too much in fear because of yeah. the power they have over these very, very vulnerable people. So anyway, the union is fighting this case, which I think is reprehensible morally, but anyway, I'm acting for that employer. So that's one case I have this week. And another one, it's interesting, the employee issued a death threat against her manager in a note to her to her friend in writing, who, in writing, oh. to, I'm what she's going to do to him, go into the office and do X in a note to her friend. Um, she of course is saying it was just a joke Well, the friend took it sufficiently seriously as she should have mm-hmm. that she reported the person was fired because of course, what if just think from the employer standpoint, if you don't fire them yeah. and they go ahead and do it or to someone else. So that was the case. And then of As time goes by, we discovered that while the person was working at my client, they also were working for a competitor, doing competitive work. So that's become part of the case, too. Sometimes people who have glass houses shouldn't start a lawsuit because (laughs) I'll find out what you were doing. I will get there. I will figure it out one way or the other. Oh, don't expect wow. that if a case that can go on for a long time yeah. uh you're not the employer's not going to find out if there's something you've done that is cause for discharge because look it is possible some judge will will believe her that she didn't was didn't mean it seriously might still believe her and still think it's cause for discharge even to write that hmm. but the conflict of interest is a surefire cause although the Death threats, pretty good. Yeah, that's right <laughs> up there. good, too. it is. It's, especially it's right in up there as
1: You know what? Twenty five years ago, death fraud, death threats. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Twenty five years ago, you know, I could just kill him. You know, you'd hear it and you'd think, uh, you know, chill out a little. Nowadays, it's you're right. You just you don't want to take that chance. It's just not worth it.
2: And that's my t- that leads to my tip of the week, mm. which is if you have done something which could be cause for discharge, and you should speak to a lawyer and find out if it is or isn't. Don't, even though the employer doesn't know about it, don't get into a long involved dismissal case Hmm. because there's a risk they will find out before the case is done. Take a quick settlement, maybe write a letter, try and get a little bit more than the first offer and then take it and stop. Don't do what this person did and have a case that because of all the motions they're bringing went on, it's been three, four years now. Now, most cases don't take anything like that. In fact, most cases, 99% of cases settle before trial. Mm -hmm. And even trial is usually only two years. This case, because of their motions, has gone on for about four. But in the back of her mind, she must have known she had done this and should have, well, it's not a case that should have gone on. And that's my tip of the week. If there's a skeleton in your closet that's meaningful, take the first offer, negotiate a little bit, and then stop. But the other half of that tip of the week is what you think is a skeleton in your closet might be nothing at all. That's is a, a very good point. Because a test, and that's the bigger question, because a, a, a test point. of, that's probably relates to more people, because most people have skeletons in their closet of one kind or another, but it is so hard, Ian, as you know, to prove cause for discharge. Cause has to be so serious, like a death threat, like that case I'm just yeah, talking exactly. about. Yeah. Theft, fraud serious conflict of interest like the other half of this that case and the other thing she was telling her girlfriend i always hide when i see anybody who might recognize me from my employer in other words she knew she was doing it wrong but other than things like that it's hard to prove cause for discharge so you may have done something wrong you may have breached company policy but the chance of being caused for discharge is still about one percent five percent it's really nothing so also get that legal advice the one thing we've talked is that cause for discharge. If it isn't. Don't worry about it. And
1: one thing we've talked about before are the psychological games that I guess both parties play when someone is dismissed. And you know, be ready for those games. Are there questions that you think, yeah, I wonder if this is a skeleton in my closet? You know what? This is as good an hour to call in and ask those questions
2: as any. Um, Howard, that's true. Phones open for both employers and employees. So everybody with skeletons in their closet, <laughs> this is the chance to find out if those skeletons. Might materialize Correct. and gain mortal flesh and actually be cause for discharge, or whether they're nothing more than a, a ghost. This would be a They'll better show away. for
1: next Sunday. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll definitely do it. The way we, the way with we got skeletons. going,
2: I'm seeing things in the streets. What's making me think in that yeah. direction? Many of skeletons, ghosts.
1: Phone lines are open for your questions at 416-872-1010, locally 416-872-1010, across Ontario 877-518-5151, 877-518-5151. This is your chance over this hour. Give uh, Howard a call, ask him your questions. Uh, You walk into work tomorrow morning and find out that you are no longer employed. What kind of severance do you think that uh, you deserve to get? Trust me, you don't want to have to think about that tomorrow morning, standing there with a manila envelope in your hand. Before we get to the phone calls, yet another uh, person not realizing that even on their own time, they're representing the company they work for. Um, The story of the gentleman who allegedly threw the beer. uh, And uh, I say allegedly because apparently, uh, you know, he hasn't gone to court yet, but it it was enough for... Uh, his employer to say we don't want to be associated
2: with you. well My advice on that from the outset was that a person had better tell the truth to his employer because if he doesn't look, He's going to be fired As soon as it he happened. Was, he's he was, he was going yes, to be absolutely. fired yeah. No employer would want that person in their employee because of the public stigmata Everybody associates with his employer and if they don't fire him, they're gonna say this is the sort of person you have employed It's bad imaging. So he was clearly going to be fired. The question is were they gonna pay him severance or not and I don't think, unless he's a senior executive, if he was a senior executive doing it, that's cause for discharge. A lower schlep, not cause for discharge. But if they asked him and he denied it, and lied about that, that's cause for wow, discharge. that's interesting. So the most important thing for him was to tell the truth and admit to it if he had to to his employer. And I know the employer investigated. Don't know what happened during the investigation, but I think the key part here, he the though, truth. is
1: that the employer doesn't have to wait for the court process. No
2: to go no. through and the judge to find him innocent or guilty. No, they, or can fire, they can fire for no reason at all. They can fire immediately. They can fire anybody at any time. The question is, is there cause to deprive them of having to pay severance or not? Mm-hmm. And in this case, as a lower-level employee, that's not cause, his adolescent hijinks. Now, actually, the really interesting story that I read this week, a police officer had some function of a group of fellow officers at a bar And he started grabbing the thigh and back of a female officer telling her what he'd do for her, what he wanted to do with her, grabbing her ponytail and wrapping around his fist near her head. You get the story. And this is a police officer to another female saying she'd be with him if he wasn't married. It just went on like that. Now, what do you think? It was a sexual assault, physical, at least a physical assault, Mm -hmm. maybe a sexual assault. But here's an employee assaulting an other co What do you think would happen in private industry, Ian, if that happened? What do you think the employer would do when she complained as she did? I would... Well, I mean, in a private case, I would hope they would launch some kind of an investigation. Well, let's assume they prove that he did it. In that case, he's probably gone. Okay. What did the police force do? A 20-day suspension. This is a police officer mm-hmm. doing it. People are supposed to charge people for behaving in that way.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's that's where it it rubs is is the fact that he's
2: the the, the person that's supposed to know better. And he wasn't charged. Wow. He wasn't charged. He got a, he wasn't fired. He got a 20-day suspension. It's outrageous. In private industry, that behavior to a coworker, that's way beyond mere sexual harassment, it's sexual assault. It's cause for discharge clearly. So now if you're charged with um, sexual assault, what's your defense? Look what the police do to them alone, who did the same thing, or not even as bad. Or even in a wrongful dismissal case, you're fired for conduct like that. And here's a good example. Well, even the police, who are supposed to be enforcing this, right. they don't f- consider that a firing offense. I'm not sure a court's going to care very much civilly, but criminally, it would be material because it's the police themselves. It's just outrageous it shows the difference between the public sector and what you can get away with in the public sector versus the private sector
1: you're listening to employment law on the bell talk radio network take a quick break and when we come back we will get to your calls at 877-518-5151 877-518-5151 416-872-1010
0: you're listening to employment law with host howard levitt on the bell talk radio network Canada's leading authority in employment law. Howard Levitt is on. The Bell Talk Radio Network.
1: And across Ontario on this Sunday afternoon, if you're listening on News Talk 610, CKTB in St. Catharines, News Talk 1290, CJBK in London, in depth radio, News Talk 1010 in Toronto, or AM 800, CKLW, information station in Windsor. Welcoming your calls over the course of this hour, this is your chance to speak with our 11 locally, 416 872 Toll free across the province, 877 518 5151. He's Canada's authority on employment law and wrongful dismissal. And uh, Howard, uh, interesting text came in during the break. Is the example Howard just cited of the police officer and sexual assault
2: the difference between public sector and private sector, or the union and non-union sector? Well, it's a good point, and we were talking about that off-air. Mm. This is a case where a police officer sexually assaulted a fellow officer and got seriously sexually assaulted, and got all of four week suspension, not discharge. It would clearly happen in the private sector. Hmm. It's an example of public versus private sector. It's also an example of union versus non-union, but in a union case, it's still worth a lot more than a four-week suspension. And it's the public sector dimension that made it so de minimis. But it's just so egregious because it's a police officer supposed to be charging people for the very same conduct he didn't get charged for and he've got a minor suspension for. Her. So but the other question you asked me in is why is the union taking that case? For the other case I talked about that I have a, that I have tomorrow, the public support worker who's abusing these vulnerable patients because it's the union steward. That's the answer. Wow. If it was someone else yeah, they probably wouldn't.
1: I mean, why would the union want to go anywhere near this? I mean
2: it it's a kind of case Ugh. where a decision comes out, it would be embarrassing for the union. Yeah, absolutely, should absolutely. be embarrassing yes, of for the union.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: So let's go to the longest 17-minute holder, the longest caller <laughs> of the day from the beginning of the show, Virginia, how can I help you?
3: Hi. I, have, um, I had been with the firm almost a year, and uh, uh, then I noticed that they were shortchanging me on the hours. So I sent them a note, and I said, this is, constructive dismissal, please pay me my, my my money. From that moment on, I started getting all these uh, messages of uh, being unhappy with me and I had to ask this and that. Then on um, I had habitually been going once a month to the hairdresser and I would leave at five. On this occasion, they took the opportunity to send me an email saying absence without leave. So I said, okay, uh if it's a problem, I'm not going. I didn't, in fact, leave, but they took the opportunity to dismiss me. They were bullying me, harassing me, and they wanted me to sign a release, which I did not. What kind of it an is,
2: employer? What kind of a company is it?
3: A law firm. Okay. You yes. did
2: say that in your text, which is, I thought it would be interesting, of interest to the listeners that it's a yes. law firm that did this. When do your, your hours end? Six o'clock?
3: I didn't have hours. I was replacing two people, and he wanted, you know, me just to get the work done. So sometimes I would start at five. Sometimes I would start at seven, depending on when the mortgage okay. instructions came in. In any
2: event, what was wrong with leaving at five to go to get a hair appointment? That's what I didn't understand. Was is that no. in the middle of your workday? Why is that a problem? No.
3: I, 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 it wasn't a problem. It hadn't been a problem prior to this but they took the, the opportunity okay. to send me absence without permission. So they
2: fired you for something you didn't do is the bottom line.
3: That's right. And something I had been doing the whole time, I would right. always, yeah.
2: Now, they could have said stop doing it if it was something that did breach the rules. I don't know about that. But in any event, they fired you for something you didn't do, which is clearly a wrongful dismissal. The problem is you said you only worked a year. What, did you, right. e- what did you earn? Uh, 50.
3: 50? 50, and how 000. how old are you? Uh, sixty-seven.
2: Oh, sixty-seven. Oh, that's very good. And but, what was your position in Min? Uh, legal clerk, real okay. estate law clerk. Well, it's a three-month case. So, how much do they give you? Uh,
3: just two weeks. Uh, I went to the Ontario Labor. Oh no! Or, I know. I wish I never heard of them. And then uh, I did the appeal. They didn't turn up, and now it's going to the semi-judicial.
2: Uh, okay, okay, let me stop you there. You, because you've been leaving the year, you get two weeks under the Employment Standards Act. You would get three months in court. The okay. problem is, but it's too late, the problem is the Employ- Ontario Employment Standards Act is written in a way that if you file a complaint for termination pay and you don't withdraw it within two weeks, you can no longer sue for wrongful dismissal.
3: Oh, I did, I, I did draw it. I, I got the money. I,
2: uh, no, no, you got your two weeks pay.
3: Yeah, but I didn't because,
2: find any It doesn't matter. You filed an employment standards claim yeah. and as a result of that, you got 2 weeks pay. You now cannot sue for wrongful dismissal. Okay. So you so could that's have got it. three you could have that's it. You could have got 3 months pay, but right. instead you only got 2 weeks pay. When you called them, did they tell you that's all you're entitled to or did they tell you you have a right to sue for more? Or you should talk to a lawyer.
3: No, the, uh, the uh, Ontario Labor Board and the Ontario Ministry have been dismal. They, ha- they have gone out of their way. No, but my
2: question is a simple one. Do they tell you this is no. all you're entitled to, the two weeks, or what do they say?
3: Uh, they said that that was all I was entitled to.
2: Okay, well, you may have a lawsuit against them wow. for misleading you, because that's negligent advice. That's all you're entitled to under the Employment Standards Act, but they should tell you, but you have a common law wrongful dismissal right to far more, and you should see a lawyer about that. And unfortunately, poor people, you know, poor people, I don't mean poor people who are poor, but po- poor citizens go there looking for help, <laughs> right. and they get exactly the opposite. They're told that's what the right is. They file a claim. They don't know that they are actually entitled to many, many times. What yeah. the employment standard? There are people who are entitled one week under employment standards; are actually entitled to a year if they sued for wrongful dismissal.
1: Virginia, if it makes you feel any better at all, there's a lot of people unfortunately call with exactly the same question and make exactly the same mistakes. So, the only
2: claim she may have is to sue yeah. the government, to sue the Employment Standards Branch for giving negligent advice. That's her only potential recourse to get the three months she's entitled to.
1: You're listening to Employment Law on the Bell Talk Radio Network. Phone lines open at one 518 5151 Across Ontario this afternoon, 877-518-5151. Locally, 416 Ten, ten. Howard Levitt in studio from Levitt LLP, Employment and Labor Law. For more information, check out his website, two T's, levittllp.com. levittllp.com is office number 416 594 3900. I'm Ian Grant.
0: You're listening to Employment Law with host Howard Levitt on the Bell Talk Radio Network. Canada's leading authority in employment law. Howard Levitt is on. The Bell Talk Radio Network.
1: And across Ontario on this Sunday afternoon, if you're listening on News Talk 610, CKTB in St. Catharines, News Talk 1290, CJBK in London, in depth radio, News Talk 1010 in Toronto, or AM 800, CKLW, information station in Windsor. Welcoming your calls over the course of this hour, this is your chance to speak with our 11 locally, 416 872 Toll free across the province, 877 He's Cam- Canada's authority on employment law and wrongful dismissal, and uh, Howard, uh, interesting text came in during the break. Is the example Howard just cited of the police officer and sexual assault the difference between public sector and private sector, or
2: the union and non-union sector? Well, it's a good point, and we were talking about that off-air. Mm. This is a case where a police officer sexually assaulted a fellow officer and got seriously sexually assaulted, and got all of four week suspension, not discharge. It would clearly happen in the private sector. Hmm. It's an example of public versus private sector. It's also an example of union versus non-union, but in a union case, it's still worth a lot more than a four-week suspension. And it's the public sector dimension that made it so de minimis. But it's just so egregious because it's a police officer supposed to be charging people for the very same conduct he didn't get charged for, and he got a minor suspension for. So, but the other question you asked me Ian, is why is the union taking that case for the other case I talked about that I have a, that I have tomorrow, the public support worker who's abusing these vulnerable patients? Because it's the union steward. That's the answer. Wow! If it was someone else, yeah, they that's probably what I said. wouldn't.
1: I mean, why would the union want to go anywhere near this? I mean,
2: it, it's a kind of case uh. where. A decision comes out; it would be embarrassing for the union. Absolutely, should be embarrassing yes, of for the union. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go to the longest seventeen-minute holder, the longest caller <laughs> of the days from the beginning of the show. Virginia, how can I help you?
3: Hi, I have um, I had been with the firm almost a year, and uh, uh, then I noticed that they were shortchanging me on the hours. So I sent them a note, and I said, "This is." constructive dismissal, please pay me my, my my money. From that moment on, I started getting all these uh, messages of uh, being unhappy with me and I had to ask this and that. Then on um, I had habitually been going once a month to the hairdresser and I would leave at 5. On this occasion, they took the opportunity to send me an email saying absence without leave. So I said, okay, uh if it's a problem, I'm not going. I didn't in fact leave, but they took the opportunity to dismiss me. They were bullying me, harassing me, and they wanted me to sign a release, which I did not.
2: What kind of it an is, employer? What kind of a company is it? A law firm. Okay. You yes. did say that in your text, which is I thought it would be of interesting of interest to the listeners that it's a yes. law firm that did this. When your when do your hours end? Six o'clock?
3: I didn't have hours. I was replacing two people, and he wanted you know, me just to get the work done. So sometimes I would start at 5, sometimes I would start at 7, depending on when the mortgage okay. instructions came in. In any
2: event, what was wrong with leaving at 5 to go to get a hair appointment? That's what I didn't understand. Was Is that no. in the middle of your work day? Why is that a problem? No.
3: I, 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 it wasn't a problem. It hadn't been a problem prior to this but they took the, the opportunity okay. to send me absence without permission. So they
2: fired you for something you didn't do is the bottom line.
3: That's right. And something I had been doing the whole time, I would right. always, yeah.
2: Now they could have said stop doing it if it was something that did breach the rules. I don't know about that. But in any event, they fired you for something you didn't do, which is clearly a wrongful dismissal. The problem is you said you only worked a year. What, did you, right. what did you earn? Uh, 50. 50. 50, and how, how old are you?
3: Uh, 67.
2: Oh, 67. Now, oh, that's very good. And good. what was your position in Uh Legal clerk, real okay. estate law clerk. Well, it's a three-month case. So how much do they give you?
3: Uh, just two weeks. Uh, I went to the Ontario Labor Oh, no. Or, I know. I wish I never heard of them. And then I, I did the appeal. They didn't turn up. And now it's going to the semi-judicial Uh, Okay, okay,
2: let me stop you there. Because you've been leaving the year, you get two weeks under the Employment Standards Act. You would get three months in court. The problem is, but it's too late, the problem is the Ontario Employment Standards Act is written in a way that if you file a complaint for termination pay and you don't withdraw it within two weeks, you can no longer sue for wrongful dismissal.
3: Oh, I did did draw it. I I got the money.
2: uh, No, no, you got your two weeks pay.
3: Yeah, but I didn't find any.
2: Release. It doesn't matter. You filed an employment standards claim yeah. and as a result of that, you got 2 weeks pay. You now cannot sue for wrongful dismissal. Okay. So you so could have got it. three you could have that's it. You could have got 3 months pay, but right. instead you only got 2 weeks pay. When you called them, did they tell you that's all you're entitled to or did they tell you you have a right to sue for more? Or you should talk to a lawyer.
3: No. The uh, the uh, Ontario Labour Board and the Ontario Ministry have been dismal. They, ha- they have gone out of their way. No, but my
2: question's a simple one. Do they tell you this is no. all you're entitled to, the two weeks, or what do they say? Uh,
3: they said that that was all I was entitled to.
2: Okay, well, you may have a lawsuit against them wow. for misleading you because that's negligent advice. That's all you're entitled to under the Employment Standards Act, but they should tell you, but you have a common law wrongful dismissal right to far more, and you should see a lawyer about that. And unfortunately, poor people, you know, poor people. I don't mean poor people who are poor, but po- poor citizens go there looking for help, <laughs> right. and they get exactly the opposite. They're told that's what the right is. They file a claim. They don't know that they are actually entitled to many, many times what yeah. the employment standard. There are people who are entitled one week under employment standards who are actually entitled to well, a year if they sued for wrongful dismissal.
1: Virginia, if it makes you feel any better at all, there's a lot of people unfortunately call with exactly the same question and make exactly the same mistakes. The only claim
2: she may have is to sue the government to sue the Employment Standards Branch for giving negligent advice. That's her only potential recourse to get the three months she's entitled to. You're listening to
1: Employment Law on the Bell Talk Radio Network. Phone lines open at 1 877 518 5151 across Ontario this afternoon. 877 518 5151, locally 416 872 1010. Howard Levitt in studio from Levitt LLP Employment and Labor Law. For more information, check out his website, two T's, levittllp.com. levittllp.com is office number 416 594 3900. I'm Ian Grant.
0: You're listening to Employment Law with host Howard Levitt on the Bell Talk Radio Network. Canada's leading authority in employment law, Howard Levitt, is on. The Bell Talk Radio Network. I'm
1: Ian Grant. Thank you for joining us on this crisp Sunday afternoon across the province. Phone lines open 877 518 5151 416 872
2: Before we get back to the lines, though, uh, Howard, we have an interesting follow-up. Yes, we have Daryl on the line. He's a retired 30-year Toronto police officer, and he called in response to the story I talked about earlier about the police officer sexually assaulting pretty badly a female police officer, and then was only suspended for four what was it for um twenty yeah, days for yeah for four weeks, and no charges were laid and I have two questions for Daryl: one, why weren't charges laid, and two, why do you only get a four week suspension rather than being fired Daryl
4: yeah, hi Howard. um long time listener um. From my experience and i'm and i want to speak about the culture of the toronto police it's a very self-protective colleague oriented organization they want to keep everything in house they don't want to expose anything that they don't need to to the media and they try to and the union tries to protect their employees and in this case um my strong feeling is the officer would not pursue a criminal charge because that would be in essence the end of her career to go against uh, an officer in a criminal court and give evidence of a sexual assault, and if she was to try and return to the organization and get in a car with another officer, nobody would work with this female. Mm-hmm. Now, the issue is is not really a an association um, issue. It's the uh, the issue is is that um, the culture of the Toronto Police is to keep everything in house. And their best bet was to charge him under the Police Services Act, and obviously a deal was struck. Twenty days, because she would not give evidence in a criminal court.
2: Would she give evidence in an arbitration if if he, if he was fired?
4: If you um, first of all, if if you um, being a member of the Toronto Police Association or what other police association, you cannot opt out of um, legal protection from the association unless you you disconnect yourself from the association. You would have to go on your own. I I
2: know I understand that, but if he was fired, why didn't they fire him for something this serious? Why was he only given a four-week suspension?
4: Nobody gets fired in the Toronto Police (laughs) or any other service. That's impossible. You would have to to be incarcerated and convicted of murder to be... No, it was just the way it is.
2: So as I said, Daryl, public sector versus private sector, union versus non-union, but particularly public versus private sector.
4: Well, let me tell you, the 20 days is, is in my um, experience, that is about the most hmm. um, penalty they can give under the Police Services Act, other than um, a firing offense.
2: Well, listen, thank you so much for calling in. Uh, it just, anybody else listening who isn't a civil servant, would be fired for that and criminally charged, maybe by the same police officer who just got 20 days. What a great call. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Daryl. I really appreciate the call. Let's get to some more. June,
2: how can I help you? Hello. Hi, June.
5: Hi. Uh, I'm calling for my daughter. She is a, uh, at this time, permanent part-time union employee at a library. And her employer uh, said her job is redundant, and they gave her an offer of other positions to bump people from, and they uh, gave her one week to choose a job and get back to them. Now, the jobs that they offered her are, are not job options that are suitable because she is has an existing occupational injury that she went through a WSIB claim for and was given accommodation. She can do the job. She's been doing it for three years. It's now redundant. The jobs they're offering her require her to do much, much more heavy lifting and other very physical jobs that she can't do.
2: Okay, June, here's the answer to your question. And it doesn't matter if they're in a union or not a union for this answer, except the difference is if she's not in a union, she could deal with this herself with the legal counsel. Being a member of a union, she has to get the union to accept her case, and they can decide not to, mm-hmm. in which case she will have effectively no recourse. But the, well, answer, the answer is that the employer must accommodate her. They don't have a choice legally if the union takes the case. They have to find her a job, if a job exists, that she's capable physically of doing. They have to accommodate her injury, and even they may have to take an, create another job for her by bundling other tasks to create a job that doesn't exist now that she can do. So that's the answer to your question. Just before we get
1: to the next caller, by the way, I want to point out, because I think it's important, that uh, the story that we were talking about with the police officers was Peel Regional Police, not Toronto Police.
2: So yes. Just to clarify But that. he, this officer from Toronto, obviously understood the oh, situation. Oh, absolutely. No question. I just... And had some interesting comments in sure the culture did. and really it proved what we talked about earlier, That's union right. versus non-union, particularly public versus private sector. David, how can I help you?
6: Hey, hello. Uh, it's David. Uh, thanks for taking my call. And uh, I'm calling it on behalf of my wife. Uh, the Her situation is... Uh, uh, she got employed as an accountant uh, in in a, in a company, and uh, she got pregnant uh, after her mat leave. Her mat leave is ending on April this year, and 40 days later, like in in May, in the mid of May, so 40 uh, days got,
2: after she comes back from mat leave, that's correct.
6: Okay, and she got a layoff uh, letter from the company.
2: Now. Is Are hundreds of people being laid off or just her? Is she being singled out for termination or are other people being terminated as well?
6: There is other people who's got laid off too, and they said that's a restructure.
2: Well, is there a restructure? In other words, is the whole department being discontinued? If the whole um, department's being discontinued, her included, the fact she's been on mat leave will not help her. Um, if they single out people who have returned from mat leave recently then that is a violation of both the human rights code and the employment standards act and she has good recourse so the question is you have to analyze who was left who stayed and if there's any inference that it's because she went away for a year on maternity leave that she was absent from the company for that year that that's why they selected her then she has good recourse and frankly better than a wrongful dismissal case as it is she still has a wrongful dismissal case
1: Tell you what, David, uh, write down this phone number. It could come in very handy. Howard's office number, 416-594-3900, 416-594-3900, <coughs> or all his contact information on his website, 2TsLevittLLP.com.
2: Tony, how can I help you?
6: Uh, yes, Howard, I did contact your office, and Good. there are two issues that uh, I have not signed my severance letter, which is bonus, and uh, which I was entitled to, and length of service. My question really is that if I go through the process with your firm, which I understand includes a demand letter and a summary judgment because there are only two specific issues. Good. And in the meantime...
2: We'll I talk about that in a minute, but go ahead. Yes. Hmm.
6: If I get gainfully employed, what happens to uh, this process? Great
2: question. Well, the answer is that a wrongful dismissal case gives you damages, the damages you've suffered. If there's terrible treatment, you can get extra damages on top of that for punitive damages, aggravated damages, Honda damages, things to essentially compensate you for effectively, and I'm just summarizing the employer's bad behavior. But in most cases, that's not a factor, and therefore wrongful dismissal damages compensate you for your losses. So if you have no losses, in other words, you get a job immediately, then all you get is the employment standards minimum. So when I say your case is worth 12 months, and let's say you're making $80,000 a year and you get a job in six months at $50,000 a year, you get the full compensation for the six months and the difference between the 80000 you were making and the $50,000 you are now making for the last six months. Hmm. But if you get a job right away at the same salary, your case won't be worth very much. Most That's people great. don't.
6: Yeah, I I really want this chapter to end quickly before I get gainfully employed, obviously.
2: Well, understand that, and everyone does, and the employer wants to see if you do, so they may (laughs) hold off a little bit in some cases, unless you take a little bit of a discount. That's how the game usually works. Summary judgment is a good procedure, because if it's just a wrongful dismissal, there's nothing wacky about the case, there's no facts the court really has to make hard decisions on, on credibility between the both sides. It's just you're fired. There's redundancy. There's reorganization. There's a personality conflict. There's nothing really in dispute. They could do it the way I do it on the show. What's your age? What's your length of service? What's your position? What's the reemployability of you? Then go to summary judgment because you'll get there in six months, not in two years. Mm. Thank you. And it puts pressure on the employer to settle more quickly as well. So move it along quickly and then likely you'll get a result before you get a job. See if we can squeeze in one more in a minute. Okay, um, let's go to Josie. How can I help you, Josie?
6: Hi, Howard. Hi. Yes, I'm calling about, uh, I started it with this company a year ago. Josie, here's my... the deal.
1: Josie, I'll get your question on, but you got to get right to it. I've got about 45 seconds.
6: Oh, dear. Um I I started last year. I did not have. Uh, I didn't sign the contract uh, because that wasn't why. I um, it wasn't why. I okay. I don't know if I could do this in forty five seconds. <laughs> Try Sorry. your best. Try.
2: What's your question? You'll be fine.
6: Okay, I started at this company, and I left my job because they were offering. They were offering me exactly what I wanted. Yes. But when they gave me the contract, it didn't state that, and I didn't sign it. Okay. So for over a year now, I haven't uh, signed a contract, and I've had everything that I've wanted. My benefits, my salary, okay. my, uh, my, ben, uh, my vacation. Okay. Now, legally, that's just <laughs> if you had a contract. Taking my my okay. benefits from
2: me. And giving you anything in return?
6: They Yes, they, they are offering me uh, some cash to uh, put towards getting my own benefits.
2: What's the value of the benefits versus the cash they're giving you? Is it the same value?
6: Well, no, because uh, um, uh, I, I've already investigated. Uh, they Well, they've now said to me, oh, you can also buy a, with our group plan.
2: <laughs> okay. Uh, we don't have much time, so I'm going to give you a very quick answer, and it's as follows. First of all, the fact that you worked the conditions you'd been orally offered means you have a contract hmm. because that's the, pr- the practice becomes the contract. Then they change it on you. It doesn't matter if, even if the contract had been there before. They still can change it on you if they're giving you something comparable. If it's comparable, there's nothing you can do about it. If it's a significant re- decrease, it could be a constructive dismissal. You want to reach Howard, his office number
1: 416-594-3900. His website, 2Ts, Levitt LLP. Howard, thank you so much.
2: Ian, my pleasure.
1: I'm Ian Grant. We are back same time next week, 1 o'clock across Ontario. Get your calls in early. We will get to them. Thanks for joining us.
0: You're listening to Employment Law with host Howard Levitt on the Bell Talk Radio Network.